particular moment. Exodus, the 25th chapter and verse 22 says, There I will meet you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. One more time in the first part of that particular passage, it says, there I will meet you. I want to close our series today talking about the meeting spot. The meeting spot. Will you tell somebody God's going to meet you? You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, and I thank you in Jesus' name. As we have been teaching about this for the last few weeks, seven weeks to be exact, um, and we appreciate what it is that God has done and explaining many different complex things today, uh, complex things for the last few weeks as it relates to um, the tabernacle. And a short review for those who are, this is the first time you've heard it, every message is available on YouTube and on our podcast um, networks. Uh, but we have found, and of course, let's give up God praise for our live streaming audience. I forgot to acknowledge our live streaming. Thank you so much uh, for being a part. I never, I don't forget about you. I thank you for being a part and those of you who are traveling who are here today. Um, but um, for the last few weeks and we found out this journey um, that God had responded to the cry of the people in um, Egypt. We know that. And we found out that God's response to their cry was raising up a deliverer. That deliverer's name was Moses. And in that, we found out that Moses uh, led them from Egypt. And as he led them out of Egypt, he led them into what we know as the wilderness, which was a spot between where they were in bondage and before they got to their promise area and that promised land. Um, and uh, we realized that um, why God uh, let not only God delivered them, but as they were in the wilderness, we found that there was a spot that God said, I want you to develop or design um, a tabernacle, a place that I can dwell with my people. This is an important thing that I've not said for the last seven weeks, but I want to say this today that when God delivers you, he always delivers you for a reason. He doesn't just deliver you because he feels sorry for us in any particular place. He delivers us because he knows that there's more for us. When God delivered the, them from the Egypt, from that, that particular oppression, God was delivering the Israelites to himself. He was not just delivering them out of that and causing them to be abandoned. He said, I want to deliver them from that and bring them back in relationship with me. That was the whole design for God to take them out of oppression and out of that particular situation and bring them back into relationship with him. As we get into this particular um, uh, thing and we get into uh, the wilderness and we get into the tabernacle, we realize, I don't know if you can put the tabernacle up there for those people who need to see it again. Um, and we saw um, that as God 
designed every scripture we see uh, that we come there's this outer uh, court there and this outer court is the place of which uh, you enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise which is important as it relates to how we enter into the sanctuary how we enter into God's presence we always and when I was growing up a lot of the older people would pray and before they said anything they would always say Lord I just want to tell you thank you that would be the first thing that they would say oftentimes when they prayed. All, all, always come to God with gratitude and never entitlement. Always come to God with a sense of gratitude that I'm grateful that I get to come before you. I'm grateful that I have this opportunity one more time to pray to you. Uh, it's very important that even when you wake up in the morning, that before you grumble, give gratitude. Like just to open up your eyes, Lord, thank you that I'm awake. Thank you, Lord, that no one's carrying me out of here in a body bag. Lord, just thank you. Thank you. I don't like half of my family, but Lord, thank you that I got them. <laughs> thank you that there's nothing. You just have to just practice that type of thing and watch how it starts to reset your day. They entered into the gates with thanksgiving, the course with praise. And then we find out right here, the first thing there is the brazen altar. It was a place of killing. It was a place to remind us that there's always sacrifice that is required uh, in our life. That's why Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you there for brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service meaning it is the least we can do is have a level of sacrifice come there with sacrifice and then after we move from sacrifice and that place we moved into the brazen labor which is a place of, uh, of cleansing cleanse a place of washing and we found out that we are washed we are cleansed by the word by the word we are washed it doesn't mean as one of my sisters asked me before it doesn't mean you have to be baptized again but it does mean that the word washes me over and over again like every time I look into the word it is washing something that needs to come off of me then we get into the particular uh, tabernacle well that not tabernacle we get into this particular place uh, you go through here which is really divided by a curtain and we found out that when you go to that curtain only the priest were allowed to go through there everybody uh, which means everybody can be out here in this sacrifice sacrifice this washing place but it takes uh, a certain mindset to go beyond that curtain it takes a certain mindset but the bible says in peter that we are all royal priesthood all of us have access now we everybody say that right now i have access all of us have access so it's not just reserved for a few people so we go into there and when we go there we see uh, I don't know if they'll put those different things that we go in there we talked about the the, the candlestick and the candlestick is the place uh, that we find uh, where there was oil that was required to keep the light the, 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 uh, the particular light lit every single uh, day that there was someone that had to go in and make sure there was enough oil in the lamp um, now we find out that in the outside um, there was there was natural light uh, when we get inside that's me providing light on the outside it's natural light but when I get inside that is that that the oil there uh, determines how much light there is which is to ask us daily how much oil do we have in our life to make sure that the light is staying lit in our life to make sure that there's always illumination the word is a light a lamp to our feet and a light to our path all those different scriptures you go back and you review all that stuff I'm just giving y'all the hip-hop version today then we go from that to the uh, table of showbread the table of showbread 
shared was a place uh, reminding us how God continues to feed us, that his word uh, feeds us, and that uh, every time we go to the word, there's always in that there was 12 uh, particular loaves, which represented the 12 tribes. Uh, so it's always enough bread, not just for you, but there's enough bread for your family. There's not just enough word for you. There's enough word for everybody that you're connected to. So that's what that was constantly there. And then we went from that to the altar of incense. For those of you who feel I'm going fast, I am. So you got to go back to YouTube and watch it. Uh, that, that altar of incense was a place uh, of prayer, uh, which is to, uh, basically to say that God could smell you coming, that there was a place that, uh, God, that God uh, responded to your prayers and it would be like smoke that would rise up towards heaven. And we talked about how God will get in the smoke. And I hope that as we've been teaching this, that many of you all have learned not just the furniture, but learn how it relates to our lives and how it relates. Not that we just look at furniture just to look at it, but look at it how it relates to our life. And then last week, we got to one more piece of furniture, which was the, um, the, the curtain, which was the place of the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies, which is where we're going today. It was a place that you could not just get there unless you had uh, access. And that was a place that we talked about uh, the Day of Atonement, where the priest would come in uh, once a year, and he would bring in the sins that were of the people for 365 days, 364 days, rather. And on that 365th day, he would come in, and he would bring in that, that particular sacrifice, that blood that was given, uh, that was shed, that was on behalf of the people. And he would make atonement and go through those particular curtains, um, and then he would have access to bring the blood and put it on the mercy seat. We found out last week that uh, that's what they did for many years. All the time, they kept doing that. They kept making, trying to make a better sacrifice and do it on behalf of the people. But God came through his son, Jesus, and, and the word became, according to John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word uh, dressed itself in flesh and came among us and said that I will take care of what they can't do on their own. And the word came among us and got on the cross and died, took all of our sins. And the Bible says that when he breathed the last breath and he said, it is finished, the scripture says that at the same time that the, the curtain was torn in the temple from top to bottom, which meant that only God could, God can take that and tear it to, ba to basically say, there is now no more separation between me and you. Jesus has paid the sacrifice. Thank God for that, that Jesus has paid the sacrifice. There used to be a song we used to sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Now we no longer have to wait for a pastor, for a priest, for a bishop, or for any other leader to pray on your behalf. Now you have access that you can go to God on your own behalf, and you can pray to God directly. You don't need the man to do it. You've got direct access. We get to come. Someone say, I got access. So that's that veil has been torn and we can walk right on in. And we talked about that. I'm going to give that scripture one more time again. And we have that access and we can go directly. But there's one more place. There's one more furniture that was in that. After that veil was torn, there was a place back there called the Ark. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. 
the Ark of the Covenant, and you see familiar things on that I've already talked about or talked before, and I'm going to give it again. And he gave specific instructions when that veil was torn, that was the Ark of the Covenant, which was a place of a meeting spot that God would meet. Now I'm there, and that's my introduction, and I'm where I need to be. And here it is that God speaks to Moses, and he tells him, uh, he talks to him um, about different things. But it's very interesting to me is that when I think of the Ark, and I want to make sure I don't go ahead of time. When I think of the ark, uh, the first thing that I think of, I, I think uh, it's, it's in your notes, I think, Pastor Stacia, is Exodus 37 chapter, your first scripture? Is that the first scripture? Let's go ahead and read that, what Moses, uh, God tells Moses to do, Exodus 37 and 1 through 9. Let's do that. You got it? Uh-huh. And can you hear me? Yes, we hear you. Belzael made the ark of acacia wood. Two, two cubits and a half was its length. A cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold inside and outside, and made a molding of gold around it. And he cast for it four rings of gold for its four feet, two rings on its one side and two rings on its other side. And he made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold, and put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the Hold on one second. That's going to be very important. I don't know if it's on the picture that I gave them, but there were poles on the side of the ark. Like, they, the, the only way you carried the ark, and y'all know this by now, that in order for these different furniture furnishings that they had, they had to make them mobile. They took them everywhere they went. This was a tent. Everywhere they went, uh, they, had, they, took, they had to pick these things up. But when it came to the ark, God said, you just can't pick me up. You can't just touch me. Put some poles on that side because I don't want anything to happen to you because too much of me won't, you won't be able to handle. So this represented the presence of God. He said, put a pole so that you can be able to carry this. It's going to be important. So I want to say that's important. You know how you ever heard a teacher teach you something? They said, now this is for your notes. Now y'all make sure this is going to be on the test. This is going to be, so these, these are your notes for all your educators. You need to make sure um, that this, these poles are very important. Keep going. And he made a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half was its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth. And he made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered wood work on the two ends of the mercy seat. One cherub on the one end, and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat, he made the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces one to another. Toward the mercy seat were the faces of the chair. So basically, put the picture back up one more time. When you see that, it was overlaid with gold, not just on the outside, but it was overlaid with gold in the inside. We know that. So it was a basically, uh, basically to depict the richness of God and the vastness of God and the holiness of God. And, and you see these angels that are, are facing each other. And we'll talk about later on why they were facing each other. And basically, in between the angels uh, facing each other, the cherubims facing each other, was basically the seat. Uh, basically that spot right there in the middle was a place that the, uh, for those of you who are online, you can't see more important, but when you see, when you, right there in between the angels and uh, between that spot was the mercy seat. It was a place that the, the priests would come and they would take that sacrifice, that blood, and they will sprinkle it on the seat. 
That's very important because that blood, when, they, when God looked from heaven and saw the blood, it was a place of mercy. God said, I'm not going to destroy them. When I see that blood, I know sacrifice has been met there, and I will make sure I won't bother them for a whole nother year. That's what that is. It was a, a place of mercy. Someone say mercy. But when I thought of the ark, Kareem, Deaconess Kareem, when I thought about the ark, I had to think, where was the first time that I saw the ark represented in Scripture? When I saw the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, I said, well, where else was the Ark represented in the Word? And the first thing that reminded me of was in Genesis, the 13th chapter, verse 6, 13th chapter, verse 4. And it said, and God said to Noah, he said, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He said, make yourself an Ark of gopher wood make rooms in the ark and cover it and add cover it and make sure it has pitch in it so here it is the very first mention of an ark is that we find not only was an ark a place but we find that the ark was a place of protection he said i'm going to destroy the land i'm going to destroy this region he said but in order for those of you who are connected to be safe make an ark I want it to be a place of protection. I want it to be a place that, that, that the, two by, the animals can come in two by two and your family can come in. It is a place of protection. Someone says a place of protection. And that's what he said. I want, he said to Noah, he said, I want you to make an ark. That's the first time we see an ark. And we see that when God told uh, Noah to build that, there had never been an ark before. He is building something that no one else has seen. He is building something that no one else has ever witnessed. And some, some say that they were making fun of Noah because he's building something that no one else has seen but he knows what's coming because God spoke to him and in the few verses up it says and Noah found grace Noah found favor from God and God spoke to him that's a that's that's very important no matter what season you're in that you find favor with God that you have favor with God and God told him to build an ark which is a place of safety now what's interesting is is that I told you all that the ark of the covenant was uh, overlaid with gold on the outside and overlay with gold on the inside well God also told Noah I want to make sure that you not only have a certain type of wood he said but I want you to pitch it a certain way pitch it means I want to make sure that it's overlaid on the outside with a certain type of pitching and then it's overlaid on the inside which was to say I know that you're going to go through water at some point so I want to make sure that the water doesn't come in so I want to make sure that it's not only overlaid on the outside, but it's overlaid on the inside so that nothing can come in because you're going to pass through the waters, but I don't want the water to come into you. That's very important that he makes sure that you are so safe that no matter what you go into, no matter what you experience, whatever you experience doesn't happen to you, but you go through it. I want to make sure that you're covered. on. I'm trying to make this make sense to everybody. He's so meticulous. God is so detailed oriented that he knows what you're going to go through to the point that he makes sure that not only you covered on the outside but I'll make sure you're covered on the inside that no your outside is not just going to be taken care of but I'll make sure your inside is taken care of as well what does that mean that means that sometimes some things might try to affect you on the outside but I won't let it tamper with your soul I won't let it tamper with your mind I won't let it tamper with your heart I'll make sure not only are you covered on the outside but I'll cover you on the inside can we thank God for him being 
being an inside job God that he will make sure that you go through whatever you go through and people look at you and they wonder how do you keep coming out of it I might look like I've been through the fire but the fire didn't touch my heart it didn't touch my mind it didn't touch my soul I'm still standing I'm still here so God told him I'll make you to design something that's going to last that's going to be able to go through things and then I thought about it and I said Pastor Guillaume that's not the only time I, that's not the only other time that I saw an ark in scripture then we go over to Exodus the second chapter and we find out that there was a decree that all the firstborn would be killed and that they would all die but it says that a certain mother saw her child and the Bible says that she saw her child and she said he's beautiful and when she said he's beautiful she says I will hide him and Exodus the second chapter and verse 3 says and when she could hide him no longer she took a basket or uh, an ark she took an ark. She took a basket. What is a basket? What is an ark? It's a place of protection. It is like a boat of sorts. She took an ark. She took a basket and she put her precious son in it. And then what did it say? She sent him down the water. I think many of you all missed it. I just talked about Noah and how God told him to build an ark. He went through the water. Now here it is. Moses is now beautiful. Moses is now comely. Moses has a call on his life and he's too young to even recognize it. But his mother says, I see something about you that is worth protecting. You need some parents. You need some mentors. You need some teachers. You need some pastors. You need somebody in your life who says, you don't see what I see. But whatever is on you is too precious for anybody to have it so I'm going to protect you I'm going to pray for you I'm going to cover you can we thank God for people who cover us and pray for us while we're still in our potential mode God that woman looked at her son and she said I'm going to make an ark for you and I'm going to make sure you are safe and she sent him through the water now what is important Pastor Guillaume I'm trying to bring my voice down but I feel happy in my soul is that what was important is that here it is that Moses who was not even a deliverer yet but being delivered while he was in the ark while he was in the ark while he was in the basket he was going down the Nile River you're talking about alligators you're talking about crocodiles you're talking about snakes and here he is gliding all the way through that stuff but not touch here it is he's in an ark he's in a place of safety but can't nothing touch him the alligators swim beside him the snakes swim beside him but they can't touch him because he's got an assignment on his life he's got a call on his life even though he's passing through the waters the waters are not passing through him though he's passing by the crocodile the crocodile can't snap on him because he's a deliverer and he's passing through stuff have you ever looked back over your life and taken a moment to give God praise for the stuff you passed through for the moments you passed through tried to kill you was supposed to destroy you was supposed to kill you you were supposed to be an ICU you were supposed to be in the casket you were supposed to be more alive but look at you and your happy self passing through death passing through sickness passing through disease passing through stuff you passed by it but it didn't touch you because God had a call on your life and he placed you in an ark of protection placed Moses in an ark of protection walked through, passed through gliding on down the Nile as a baby babies can't protect themselves but God protected them Finally, he protected him until he got to a place where he was by, by Pharaoh's, uh, a Pharaoh's family member. And it says Pharaoh's family member grabbed him and said, whose child is this? The Bible says that, that the sister, Miriam, had been following this whole time. 
because it's important that even though you're going through dangerous stuff, you need an intercessor who's going to watch you while you go through it. Moses' sister, Miriam, wasn't in the basket, but she was covering him while he was in the basket. <laughs> she wasn't in the ark, but she was covering him while he was in it. I don't know if this is ministering to anybody. That they don't have to be in what you're in, but you do need somebody who can pray for you while you are in what you're in. Like You don't have to go through what I go through, but pray for me while I go through it and pray that I come out of it. So here it is that Miriam covered him, and it says that when the woman asked, she said, whose child is this? She said, oh, I know somebody that can nurse him. I know somebody that can help. She said, well, who would that be? And it wound up actually being his mother. The mother, glory, the mother who sent him away had an opportunity to come back and to nurse him. The mother who said, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you with my child. I'm going to release my child. And if my child comes back to me, great. If my child doesn't come back to me, I still give you glory. But I'm just going to trust you. And I want to give a word to somebody right now. Some of you need to let some stuff go. And some of you need to let your children go and some of you need to let some things go and when you release it and see what God will do with it when you let take your hand off of it and let God do something with it somebody let somebody open your mouth and sound like Elsa and say let it go let it go let it go let it go the cold never bothered me anyway somebody open your mouth and say let it go so here it is that she let it go she let it go and God gave it back to her the very thing she let go of and she wound up nursing her child and she nursed him until he was able to go on his own and the Bible says that Moses was raised up in the house of Pharaoh. The Bible says that Moses was raised up in the house of the system. The Bible says that Moses learned the customs of the way. The Bible says that Moses knew how they ate and Moses knew how they did things. And the Bible says that finally Moses had to leave because Moses acted out of character because he wasn't ready yet. So Moses wound up killing something when he was supposed to help it. So Moses left and Moses was out in the wilderness and the Bible says that while Moses was out in the wilderness thought that his call had left him thought that his call was over he was walking with some sheep and the Bible says that he walked by this particular cleft in the rock and when he looked in he saw a bush on fire and did not know why the bush was burning and he went and God said to him Moses take off your shoes for the place that you're standing is holy ground this is sacred ground and while Moses was talking to God and God was talking to Moses and God said I've called you and Moses said there's no way you can use me because I'm not eloquent of speech and God said who made your mouth and then Moses said there's no way that I can do anything because I've never led people and God said Moses was in your hand he said there's a staff he said whatever you got in your hand and whatever you got in your mouth I'm gonna use it somebody open your mouth say God's gonna use what I got God said I'm gonna use you and I'm gonna send you back to my people why are you gonna send me back to your people because they've been crying and they need a deliverer and just like I delivered you through the Nile, you're going to deliver them out of Egypt. Just like I carried you through the Nile, you're going to carry them out of Egypt. And you're going to do something. And I want to tell somebody right now that whatever story you got, God's going to use your story. Whatever testimony you got, God's going to use your testimony. Because God's got something better than what you're going through. And God's going to use whatever you're going through to help somebody else. Come on, songwriter. If I can help somebody as I pass along the way, my living will not be in vain look at somebody and say I gotta help somebody I gotta help somebody so that was the ark Moses had been delivered and Moses had to go back to go back had to go back to go deliver what delivered him 
when Moses went back, uh, he now, the same ark that carried him through, now God tells him, now you design an ark. You make it this way and you do it this way. So now Moses, who was delivered, is now making an ark for the people that he was allowed to deliver with the help of God. So we find that the meeting spot is not only a place, the meeting spot is not only uh, a place of protection, but we find out that at, at this, this protection goes a little bit further because the next time I look at the ark is that everywhere the ark went, as they, we find out, we'll find out later on what's in the ark, every place the ark went, there was protection. Like God would always take care of his people wherever he went. Well, there came a particular time in 1 Samuel around verse 3 where we know a few weeks ago I was telling y'all about how uh, Eli, um, God has spoken to Eli and Eli didn't handle some of his home business. And we found out that the God uh, spoke through the prophet Samuel and he said to him, because you didn't handle God's stuff right, um, not only are your two sons, Hopney and Phineas, going to die, but I'm also going to make sure that the ark is going to be removed from this place. The ark means the presence of God. I'm going to get to it later. Uh, this is very important that you follow everything that God tells you to do because you don't want a blessing and not have his presence. Uh, you don't want a car and you can't make the car no. You, you don't want a house that you can't make. You, you want God's favor on everything you get. You want it. I, I don't want anything without his favor. I don't want anything without his grace. I don't want anything without his blessing on top of it. Because anything I do without him, I got to do. But anything I do with him, he can do. I, I got to make sure that I have everything. So, uh, so they, they, he said the presence of God is going to be removed. And, and the Bible says that they were in a particular war in 1 Samuel around verse uh, chapter 4. And it says they were in a particular war. And the people thought that they could just continue um, as they were and keep the presence of God. So they went into war and they carried the Ark of the Covenant. Mind you, they carried on poles. And as soon as the, the Philistines saw that they had the Ark of God, which meant the presence of God, the Philistines got nervous. And they said, because the Ark of God represented protection. It represented that God was with them. So they said, oh, we're not going to win this battle today because the presence of God is with them. God's protection is with them. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel Brown, uh, chapter 3, it says that because the people hadn't repented, uh, they had a form of godliness, but they no longer had his power. There are many churches and many people who are functioning with a form, but no longer have his power. There's nothing like singing without power. There is nothing like preaching without power. There is nothing like trying to operate. There's one scripture that says, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? You don't want to fight a devil without God's power. You don't want to fight an enemy without God's power. I would rather you sound like a frog drowning in buttermilk, but you got God's power. I would rather you not be able to know chapter and verse, but have God's power. I would rather you not even know how to pray right, but have God's power, because his power is... It is the anointing that destroys yokes. It is not your intellect. It is not your degrees on the walls. It is not your family origin. It is not what side of town you came from. It's not what denomination you're connected to. It is the anointing that destroys every yoke. I can't preach without his anointing. There's no possible way that I can preach without his power. The old church used to say, 
power, Lord. Power, Lord. Send your power. Somebody open your mouth and say, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. So here it was that they were here in the heat of battle, but they had a form, but they no longer had his power. They had his representative, but they no longer had him. And they were too dumb, excuse me. They didn't even recognize that they didn't have him. I want to know how many of us in the church today don't even recognize when the power ain't even there. How many of us do even recognize when God is not even there? Or are we going through the motions and playing games and playing footsies and we don't even realize that God ain't even there? I don't want a church that don't have no discernment. I don't want to preach to a body of people who don't know how to tap in. I want you to be able to even hear when I'm in flesh and be able to say, Lord, cover my pastor because he ain't on it today. Cover the man of God because he ain't been seeking you. I want you to be able to be in the church and when the worship team is singing, to be able to say the music sounds good, but we need power. We need anointing because that's the only way that people are going to get off drugs. That is the only way that gangs are going to forget about what they were fighting about. That is the only way that people will stop shooting people in Lexington, Kentucky. That is the only way that mothers will stop burying their children before it's time. That is the only way that we will stop being a divided states of America, but we will be the United States of America. It's got to be power. It's got to be power. Someone say, I've got to have power. power so here it is they didn't recognize that they didn't have the power of God and the Philistines were nervous because they had the form but they didn't recognize they didn't have the power so they start to fight and while they were starting to fight the Philistines start saying wait a minute why are we winning this battle wait a minute why does it seems like we're getting an advantage on them I thought they had God and then they realized they had the box but they didn't have the God they had the representative but they didn't have God you don't ever want to fight with the enemy and you ain't got God because the enemy will mess your mind up the enemy will mess with your child the enemy will mess with you but when you have God in the house you say come if you want to try me if you want to but I pray and throw hands try me if you want to because I got that power and I'm about that life so here it is that it says that they did not win the battle the people of God did not win the battle because they didn't have God they didn't win the battle and the Bible says that just as the prophecy went forth and said that the ark was going to be removed the enemy now had the ark a runner went back to town Eli heard that somebody, can I teach the Bible? I'm just trying to teach the Bible. It says, so here it is, he says, uh, it says that the runner went back into town and he's in the, in the herd of the commotion and Eli was sitting there. Eli said, what's all the commotion? Finally, the runner got to him. He said, he said, is it well? He said, it's not well. He said, what happened? He said, your two sons, Hopney and Phineas, they died in battle. They didn't make it. So he was okay. I mean, he was mourned his children. But then it says, what else happened? He said, and the ark of God is gone. The Bible says that Eli fell and he broke his neck. His children, he said, that's my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mourn for a while. But don't take his presence from me. He said, he took your presence from That means I can go through hardship but still have his presence. That means I can be broke but still have his presence. That means I can go through the divorce but still have his presence. That, that means I can get laid off but still have his presence. That, that means, but, but don't 
take his presence from me come on David he says he says created me a clean heart and, and renew the right spirit but whatever you do don't take your spirit from me whatever you do no matter how many people I mess with no matter how many people I cuss out don't you dare take your spirit from me because when I have your spirit it's a chance that I can still be redeemed it's a chance that I can be still be restored it's a chance that there's still hope for me but if you take your presence from me there's no hope for me there's no hope for me I've got to have his presence somebody holler I gotta have him How about shit? He fell. He fell because he didn't have the presence anymore. He fell. He don't have the presence anymore. His daughter-in-law, who was married to one of his sons, was pregnant with the child. The Bible says that she immediately went into labor. And when she went into labor, it says she hollered and pushed. And when she hollered and pushed, they said, Did you, don't you want to see your baby? She said, I can't. I'm mourning. I can't look at him. She said, well, can you at least give the child a name? He said, the child is called Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. She said, every time I see this child, it's a reminder we don't have the presence anymore. The Bible says that later on, Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant. They took the Ark of God's presence, and it says that it was now in their possession. And 1 Samuel, the fifth chapter, verse 1 through 4, and I'm just going to go here real quick. Um, it says that the Philistines, they captured the Ark, and what they did was anytime they captured something that belonged to God's people, they would bring it back as a trophy to basically say, look at what we got, what we didn't supposed to have. So what they did was they took God's presence and put it next to their God. They took God's presence. You can put the scripture up. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to so they can know where it is. Uh, he said they took God's presence and they, they put it against their God named Dagon. Uh, which to be a trophy to say now your God has to bow to our God. So they were making fun of our God. And putting against their God Dagon. And the Bible says that they put it there and they went to sleep. The next day, Dagon was fell over. They didn't think nothing of it. They didn't know why Dagon was on the ground. So they put Dagon back up because they think they can always pick their gods up. So they picked their God up because their God was supposed to be like my God. So they put their God by my God and they didn't think nothing of it. So the next day, they went back in the tent because they went to sleep. The next day, they found out that the hands were took, took off and the, the feet were taken off. And, and they said, who did this? And, and they finally realized there must be a real God because ain't nobody been in this tent. So God says, you can't mock me and survive. You can't make fun of me and survive. You can't make fun of me. I have given God a name that is above every name, that every knee will bow. Every day God must bow. Everything must bow and confess that I am Lord. So I want to tell you, you can put your God beside every time you 
gonna put your God beside my God, but my God will win every time. You can watch every YouTube clip you want to, you can read every blog you want to, but I do know one thing, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And the last time I checked, he has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle, and he is always gonna be God. Somebody say, he's God, he's God. I feel like preaching in this church today. They put their God beside their, they put my God beside their God, and God said, oh, you can't stand before me. There's no way you can stand before me. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adores him. What a mighty God. Somebody say, Jesus is God, and he is the God we serve. Preach this book, sir. It's a protecting God. Only the trunk of Dagon was left. That was all that was left. So the ark was not only a place, of, was not only just a place, the meeting spot was not just a place, it was not just a place of protection, but it was also a place of provision, uh, which means blessing. It was a place of provision. Uh, so everywhere the ark met was not just protection, but also blessing. So David knew that the ark was gone. And this is the part, Deaconess Lot, from 1 Samuel chapter 4 all the way to 2 chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 6, no one had pursued the presence of God. The presence of God was captured by an enemy. And from chapter from 1 Samuel all the way to 2 Samuel, nobody had tried to go after it. I want to ask you a question. How many generations in your family have skipped over God? How many people in your family have allowed it to go on for as long as it's gone over? But you are rising up. You are the generation that's saying it stops with me. This is the last person. I cannot allow it to go another thing. So here it is. God raised up David. And when God raised up David, it says, David says, we got to go after God. Somebody say, I'm going after God. I'm going after God. I'm trying to get here really fast, Darius. I'm really trying. Somebody say, I'm going after God. He says, I'm going after God. He says, I'm going after God because there's provision in God. There's provision in his presence. So 2 Samuel 6 chapter and verse 1 through 8. Read, uh, Pastor Sasha, I know I gave you a little break. Now it's come, come on, read. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel. Yes. 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bala Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. Yes. Which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. Yes. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. Abinadab, uh -huh, yeah. Which was one on the hill. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadad, were driving the new cart yes. with the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. Yes. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with the songs and, and lyrics and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. Yes. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hands to the ark of God and took hold of it. Yes. For the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. 
and God struck him down, therefore, because of his error. Yes. And he died there beside the ark of God. Now, what was the error? The error was, as y'all know earlier, is that there had to be poles on the side of the ark. Y'all remember that? I told you y'all going to get that in your test. That's your test. Did y'all just pass it? It says there's got to be poles. But Uzzah was so excited about having the presence of God back, what he did was he touched it. He thought he could just reach out and touch it. He thought he could just reach out and handle God any type of way. He thought he could just do whatever he wanted to do without following orders, without following instructions, without going according to the pattern that God had already designed. So he reached out and touched it and when he reached out and touched it the anger of God rose up and God killed him right on the spot he says don't allow your excitement to override my order don't you dare get so excited that you forget about their steps to this don't just reach out and touch me any type of way like there's got to be respect like, you've got to respect me. I know when I would get, uh, when we were younger, we used to say, have to say Mr. So-and-so and Mrs. So-and-so and, and Brother So-and-so or Pastor So-and-so. Now it's not, uh, whatever. But we used to do that as a term of respect, and that's what we did. So God is saying, you're going to have to put some respect on my name. Like, you've got to respect me. Don't, don't just touch out me because I, I kill people who disrespect me. I could go deeper than that, but I don't have a lot of time. So we got to get out of that. So it says that what happened was, so David was upset, not necessarily just because God did that, but he was like, oh, I forgot order. Or I forgot God's got a way. God's got a way that we got to go about this, and I forgot about it. So it says that they left the, they left the ark at Obed-Edom's house. They left at his house, and, and they left it there for three months. And, and the Bible says that the Lord blessed his house as long as the presence was there. And they, 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 the news went to King David. I'm going, going trying to go past. The, the news went to David and said, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. So David said, oh, we've got to get God's presence back because wherever God's presence is, there is provision. And I'm not saying that he can't stay at Obed-Edom's house, but that's not his design place. There's a place that God needs to be, and I've got to get him there. So the Bible says over in second, uh, keep going, go to second uh, Samuel six through 11, six chapter verse 11. Now verse 12, he says, when he got there, it says, so David went back after God, went back after the ark of God. And verse 13 says, and when they got back, they said, we're going to put some order on this thing. We're going to make sure we grab the poles. We're going to make sure that we honor and respect God. And it says, and when they got there, it says they grabbed the ark of God with the poles. And this is the part I love, Mel. It says, verse 13 says, and it says, and when they got the ark, when they went six steps, they sacrificed an ox and fattened Adam, uh, fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Every six steps, they shouted. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday's the seventh day. Every six days, every six steps, praise. He says, what did they do? Cameron, he says, I'm not going to get so excited about carrying his presence all the way back to Jerusalem because that's where they were going. He said, I'm going to give God praise that he let me carry him for six steps. I ain't worried about Jerusalem. I thank God for the six steps. 
I want to know is there anybody right now can give God praise for six steps. I'm talking about you hadn't completed everything. Everything ain't right. Everything ain't where you want it to be. Financial aid ain't worked out yet. You got papers you still got to write. You got things you're still working out. But can you thank God for the last six days, the last six minutes, the last six months? Can you give God praise before you get to February 14th, before you get to March? Can you give God praise for just six steps? It ain't a lot to nobody else, but it's my six steps. It don't mean nothing to nobody else, but it's my six minutes. It, it don't mean nothing to nobody else. I've had six minutes of uninterrupted praise. I had no drama for the last six minutes. I've had no issues for the last six minutes. I've had no, no demons to cast out in the last six minutes. I've had no death in the last six weeks. I've had nobody in my family who has been drunk or killed or destroyed or shot. I want to give God praise for the last six days. And they shouted. They gave God praise every six days. I'll be glad when we get a church that praises God for simple stuff. I'll be glad when we have praise breaks that just break out. And somebody said, what you praising God for the last six minutes? What you praising God for? Because he brought me out. What you praising God for? Because he kept my mind. What you praising God for, Sterling? Because he's going to let me pass the bar. What am I praising God for? Because for the last... For the last six weeks, it's been hard, but for the last six minutes, I've got victory. Somebody open your mouth and give God praise for six seconds. Oh, glory. That's what happened. So, it gave God praise every six steps. It ain't a lot, but it's my steps. Hadn't gone far. But at least I've gone six paces. I hadn't gone a mile, but I've taken six steps. Stop letting people tell you that your six steps ain't a lot. Stop letting people tell you that your six days ain't been a lot. They are your six steps. They are your six days. You give God praise. Don't you let nobody tear up your story. Don't you let anybody. It's your party. You can praise if you want to. It's your testimony. You can praise if you want to. Because don't nobody know what you've gone through but you. Don't nobody know the struggles you had but you. Don't nobody know the stories you've had like you are don't nobody know the devils you had to fight don't nobody know the things you've overcome so you give God praise every chance you get when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you you better open your mouth and give him praise because he didn't have to do it I said because he didn't have to do it. I said because he didn't have to do it. Give God praise for the things he's done. So, so the presence, the meeting spot didn't just represent. It didn't just represent a place. It didn't just represent a protection spot. It didn't just represent a place of provision. But it represented a place where God's presence was. Is there anybody in the room who says, I just want his presence? 
Somebody just say, I just want his presence. That's all I've got to have. So Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and verse one, I read it last week, but I don't think y'all got it. But I want to read it one more time. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and verse one says, it was in the year that King Isaiah died that I saw the Lord, and I saw the Lord, and he was high, and he was lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And they called out to one another. This is the part y'all didn't get. They cried to one another. They said, Holy, 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 holy. They said, It's the Lord of hosts. Holy, it's the Lord of hosts. Pastor Stacia, let's try it real quick. Since you got a microphone, when I say holy, it's the Lord of hosts. You say it back to me. I'm going to say holy, it's the Lord of hosts. It's the Lord of hosts. It's the Lord of hosts. Say holy, it's the Lord of hosts. Holy, 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 holy, it's the Lord of hosts. There's something y'all been missing. The more she's been saying holy, the closer I get to her. The more she says holy, the closer I get to her. Holy, 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 it's the Lord God of hosts. Holy, 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 is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, 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 is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God of hosts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The reason God hadn't been close to you is you hadn't been opening your mouth and crying holy. But if you would cry holy, if you would cry holy, God will get in the midst. God will get in the middle. God will come to you. Turn to somebody and say holy, holy is the Lord. God of hosts. I didn't say messy business. I didn't say gossip. I said open up your mouth and say holy. And the more you cry holy, the more you cry holy, God gets in the middle. God gets in the middle. God gets in the middle because I got one more scripture and I'm going to let it go because it is Exodus the 25th chapter and verse 22 says it says and there I will meet with you from the mercy seat I will meet with you from the mercy seat between the two cherubims that are on the ark of the testament wait a minute the two cherubims that was in Isaiah did not see those cherubims before Amaya can you put up the ark of the covenant one more time look at that ark one more time look at that ark and the angels are looking towards one another you don't hear the conversation but Kamisha they're saying holy 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 and the more they said holy God said let me take a seat right on the mercy seat and I'll because when the ark came when the priest came 
the priest put the blood on the mercy seat that's what the priest did but now let me tell you what Jesus did the priest put their blood they put other people's blood on the mercy seat but that's not what Jesus did Jesus said I don't need y'all's blood I put my own blood on the mercy seat and now when you and now today when he sees the blood when he sees the blood the death angel passes over you sickness passes over you Jesus is sitting on the mercy seat what is the mercy seat it's a throne room it's a throne room and the only requirement that we got to do right now is open up our mouth and say holy 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 I saw the Lord high and lifted up the more you cry holy the more I see God the more you cry holy the more I see deliverance the more you cry holy the more I see healing the more you cry holy the more I see yokes break the more you cry holy I see bondages destroyed the more you cry holy demons flee somebody cry holy you at home you at home get off your couch cry holy 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 come let us worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness come let us worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that I might get mercy if you need mercy come to the altar if you need mercy come to Jesus if you need mercy open up your mouth and say holy holy Right, stand to your feet. Do you hear holy in the room? Some of y'all can't even let it go. You've been worried about your problems, but now all of a sudden, all you can say is holy, holy, holy Lord, holy are you, Lord. If you talk about God long enough, He'll handle what you're going through. If you talk about God long enough, he'll correct your mind. If you talk about God long enough, he'll fix your finances. If you talk about God long enough, he'll get in this church and your tongue will stop speaking English and you'll start speaking in a language that you ain't never said. Holy, holy, holy. Fill this church with your holiness. Fill this church with your holiness. Fill our worship with your holiness. Fill my preaching with your holiness. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, my song shall rise to thee. Holy. Holy. 
and there and there will I meet you it's the meeting spot Woo. 